I want to take a minute and just spend some time in the word of the Lord. Nehemiah 4, 17 through 23. I'm going to read from old school because I am a little old school. These younger preachers, they'll get up here and they'll read the English Standard Version or the Message Bible, and it's so comforting. You feel warm and fuzzy when you leave. But I'm going to read the these and nows. They which builded on the wall and they that bear burdens. With those that laded, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work. Everybody say, one hand worked, and with the other hand held a weapon. They were under attack, but they were building the walls of Jerusalem that had fallen down. And Sambalat and Tobiah, people with really weird names. Everybody say, they got a weird name. They decided to join with the forces that were against Jerusalem and they would come and try to attack them and kill them. And so they had to build and they had to fight. And they had to build and they had to fight. And whether you know it or not, everything in your life is just like that. If you're building something, there's going to be an attack. If any action has an attack assigned to it from the enemy, and if it's a God kingdom work, it's going to be attacked. So I want to talk to you for a little bit about build where you are. Build where you are. Jesus, we ask you to touch the word. I know it is already anointed. So I'm asking you to bless somebody today with it. Allow them to take the word and go forth with it. And let it multiply in their hearts and bring forth fruit. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. The ESV standard, the English standard version says, those who were building on the wall, those who carried burdens and were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. Can you give me my Bible for me? I want you to know that there is a spiritual context to this even though we have a spiritual covenant. We are in the covenant, the New Testament covenant. They were under the law. But even though there was something that was taking place, an attack on their life, the major theme is build till the blessing comes. That God is literally giving callings to this day to men and women that want them. And he's going to ask you to build something till the blessing comes. It's not going to always be easy at first. It's not going to have the best of strategy sometimes. You're just going to know that God has called you to be a good wife or God has called you to be a good husband or God has called you to be a good mom or dad. And in those moments, you have to build until the blessing comes. And there may, you may feel like your life is kind of like this pile of rubble. The same way that they came and they saw the walls were falling down and they needed to build them up, they came and they approached God and said, Lord, if you would help us, we will do this. But even though God helped them rebuild the walls in a record time of 52 days, it wasn't without opposition. And sometimes we think that we don't need to uh, have opposition when God is working with us. But even with God working with us, you will run into the attacks of the enemy. You will run into difficulties in your life. Amen? So what I want to communicate to you is something that one of my professors said in Bible college. He said, calling is more important than your work. 
And that might cross swords with you a little bit, um, but uh, my sword's bigger, and it's a family King James Bible, so I think I'll win. But the thing that he was saying was, if you know God's calling, what difference does it make if it's going well today? If you have a clear call on your life, well, how do I know if I'm called to be a mom? Well, if you're pregnant, God's called you to be a mom. It's pretty simple. If you're a dad, if you're having children, you're called to be a dad. If, if you're living a life where you're working in, in a company and they give you a position that promotes you to leadership, well, God is calling you into leadership. Everywhere that God puts you, he puts you for a reason. And so God is calling everyone. I, I know in the scriptures that, that the Bible says that we should repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children, generational, everybody, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So God is still calling even to this generation. That was in the book of Acts. He's still calling even now. So if he has callings for us, then sometimes our work will go well and sometimes our days will be difficult. And I want you to know to be encouraged that God has a calling for everybody, just like he had a calling for Nehemiah in our series here on Reconstruction. He's rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, and he gathers people to help him, and he gathers the resources, and he asks the king to help him provide. And all of the things that he's doing is because his heart was broken for the condition of his father's, of his father's house and the temple and the places where he lived, where his fathers were buried. He had a broken heart for those things and had a passion and he began to pray and he began to fast. There's nothing like praying and fasting, brothers and sisters. Prayer is where you take the frustrations you can't say to other people. You can't vent everything to everybody. Amen, somebody? You can only say some things to some people, but you can't say everything to everybody because not everybody is hugging you with hands open. Some people hug you with knives in their hands. And I'm not a person that has, is looking for people that hug me with knives. I, I take it to the Lord. So when I take everything to the Lord, I don't have to vent here. I don't have to talk about frustrations in my life. I don't have to go to Bible study and say, oh, everything's just falling apart. It may be in rubble, but God is calling us to build something where we are. Whatever you have in your life, God is calling you right now to start. Put one brick on top of the other. Get to work. Work on time. Do what you have to do. Love your spouse. Love your neighbor. Do what you can do. And when you do that, you start to build the walls that have fallen down again. And so if you don't want heartbreak, you don't want to call. That's the story of Nehemiah. He got heartbroken. And so he began to pray and he began to fast. And I'm going to ask the church to fast sometime this week. I don't know if you can fast one or two meals or you can fast several days. But understand that fast pushes down the flesh and lifts up the spirit. And if you have trouble with secret sin in your life, I would commend you to fast one day a week. Just take one day a week and fast all the rest of your life. And you will stop struggling with secret sins. Because you constantly are putting the flesh down. We used to fast every Tuesday night. And we would come, I would come home and we would always, I was always looking forward to the meal, obviously, on Tuesday night. And we would have something amazing. Sarah would make it and we lived in Muskego at the time. And I would work an entire day and deal with the pains of hunger. But the reason why I did it was because I wanted God more than I wanted my flesh to reign. I wanted to lay down the lesser for the greater. Amen. 
And there is still a greater, brothers and sisters. There's still God's word and God's plan for your life. God's plan takes some action. You have to move towards spiritual things. And fasting is moving yourself out of your comfort zone, out of your flesh's comfort that longs to eat. And you're putting that aside in order to take action for spiritual things because there is an attack on everything we do. How many know that to be true? Amen. So why did Sambalad and Tobiah come against Nehemiah? As soon as Sambalad and Tobiah, these are the two, you know, individuals that were already living in Jerusalem and Judea, and they were associated with the armies of the opposition there. As soon as they heard that Nehemiah and the Jews were actually building the walls, they were angry. They're doing a good work. They're restoring something. They're reconstructing what had fallen down. Isn't it interesting when you start building things that have fallen down, there's always a critic? The smallest size is to criticize. Have you ever heard that? There's, nobody will say anything whenever it's a pile of rubble in front of you. But when you start working to build your spiritual life or you start working to build anything in your life, somebody's going to rise up and go, it's not all that. It's not worth it. That's not, you don't need to do all that. In fact, they will diminish what you're doing, and that's what Sambalad and Tobiah did. Isn't it funny that people are more interested in tearing something down sometimes than they are in helping the people that are trying to build things up? And so what happened was Sambalad addressed the army of Samaria with a contemptuous reference to, to these feeble Jews, is what he called them. And to be honest, they were. They, they weren't real strong. They, they weren't army ready. They, they were just people that had come back as King Cyrus had given them permission from the Medo-Persians. They had made their way back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was in desolation. They were in spiritual desolation as well. They had built the temple, but they didn't put the walls up to protect it. And so Sambalat's like, these are just feeble Jews. And Tobias weighs in and, and he says, I, I tell you what, if even a fox or a jackal were to get on this wall, this wall of stone that they're building, it would fall down. Isn't it funny that these people are not experts, but they, but they have an internet connection? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. They, they have the ability to be a critic, and some people will listen without ever questioning whether they have the right to say those words against them. So it only takes a person that decides that they're going to say something bad for other people to believe. And they're saying, even if a fox or a jackal is climbing on the wall they, that they are building, it would come to ruin. It would fall. And so you see various builders, and maybe they knew this. Maybe they knew this about the Jews, that they weren't builders of walls. They weren't architects of any kind. They, in, in, in the scriptures, you see various kinds of builders, but they definitely aren't experienced builders. There's priests there, and, and then there's goldsmiths that are building the wall. They're, they work well with gold, but not so much with brick and mortar. In Nehemiah 3 and 8, you see perfumers. People that make things that stink pretty, <laughs> they, they are the ones working on the wall. So maybe, maybe they had a reason to say, this, this wall's not going to stand up. These people don't have the credentials to do it. There were merchants that were doing. There were rulers and nobles that were working, and men and women and young children. Everyone had a part to play, though. 
Everyone had a position to help. They gathered side by side and they worked side by side to rebuild the walls. Do you know that success is not spelled S-U-C-C-E-S-S? Success is spelled teamwork. And if you don't know how to build a team, you have to learn how to build a team. There's a quote that I love. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Thinking together is unity. And working together is success. I believe that whenever you fast or you call a fast in a church, you're asking people to come together in unity, that there is a unification that happens. I believe we've come together. I believe we've progressed in keeping together. I'm calling the church to a time of prayer and fasting so that we can think like Jesus thinks, so we can get the mind of Christ for this body of believers. And if we can get the mind of Christ, I believe we're working toward the greatest success we can see in the kingdom of God. I believe that. And I believe he's working together with us on good days and bad days. Sarah's dad, who pastored, we would have days where the snow would hit or he'd be out plowing the drive and then come in and have to preach. And, and it was a very interesting upbringing to go through 10 years of being their youth pastor. And what was interesting is he always had a, he always had a saying, well, if we can't do more, we do less. But we still do things for the, for the glory of the Lord. If we can't do more, we'll do less, but we'll still do things for the glory of the Lord. There is a power and a calling, brothers and sisters. The whole body of Christ needs to work together. Amen? Ephesians 4 and 16 talks about how the body is not just an army. It's not just a family. It is all those things. But the scripture says, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. It means that every joint goes together and works together according to the effectual working of the measure of every part. Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So what it's saying is every single person in here that joins into the body of Christ to do a work allows that work to be done to the effectiveness of having love in the body of Christ and working together makes us stronger. Amen? We have a lot of technology that we use and uh, our technology went down yesterday so I had to run and talk to somebody about getting internet back in our place and now we don't have to have a cable. You just put a thing in the window and plug everything in and it gets cellular. And so now we have home internet by cellular. Technology is great, but we are connected more than ever before, but at the same time, we are more disconnected than ever before. And in Scripture, Nehemiah was so wise. There's so much leadership. This is one of the greatest leadership books you could ever read, and he's stressing how people need to work together, how we need to come together and lift each other's burdens and be a part of community. That's very important because there's a sharing that goes on in lifting each other's burden. People are more stressed out in this generation than any time in history. I was reading several studies about college students, and they have more anxiety level right now as a college student than psychiatric patients in World War II. That's the study that I read. And we know that we are gifted with so many gifts, amen? That How many know what a spiritual gift is? How many know what your spiritual gift is? Some of us do know that. If not, we need to pursue it. We need to find out what it is because our spiritual gift 
is what every man needs to use in the church to play their role in the church body. So Romans 12, 6, and 8 gives us an understanding that if your gift is used for serving others and you serve them well, God will bless you for it. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith. And it goes on to talk about if you're a teacher, teach well. If you're an encourager, be an encouragement. Amen? I'm a, I'm a big encourager, even to a fault. I, I love people so much, sometimes I don't even see the red flags. It is given if it's giving, then give generously. If it's leadership ability that God has gifted you with, then take that very seriously and use those leadership skills in your life to bless the kingdom. If you are gifted with kindness, then do that gladly as unto the Lord. Be kind unto others, amen? If you are gifted in some other way, then use that for God. Some people believe that there's a gift of discouragement. <laughs> They're one of those discouraging people. Have you ever met one of those? Some people believe there's the spiritual gift of criticism. There's not. It's not in the Word of God. Some people just, sometimes you need to, if you have a gift of singing, you should sing. I know people that can sing, and they believe they have a gift of song. And they, their favorite verse is, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But I do believe that God wants us to use our gifts. He doesn't want to just pour them out on us and let them sit here today. Let us just listen to someone speaking through a microphone and not use our gifts in the body of Christ. We have to come together to use our gifts. I just read recently that 5.8 billion gift cards are never redeemed in the United States. 5.8 billion is left unredeemed every year. I don't want to leave God's gifts that he's given to us unredeemed. Amen? There's too much loss there if we don't use them. Don't let God's gifts go unredeemed in your life. Search for them. Use them. Whenever you come to worship, cooperate in worship. It's a family event. We're coming together corporately to lift God up, to sing unto the Lord, and, and to do what we can. Yes, some make a joyful noise. Thank God for others that don't. But I'm so glad that he helped me. You need to praise him from your lips. It needs to come out your lips. It needs to be vocal. You don't, you don't praise God by making no sound. You can worship God without making any sound. Because worship is a deep thing that happens inside of you. If you've ever been in a service and they sing those two happy songs at the beginning of worship service, and then it goes into more of a worship and less praise, and you feel the presence of the Lord set down on a place, you can just stand there and tear can come down your face, and you can just worship the Lord, and you don't have to say anything. It's a connection between your spirit and God's spirit. That's a beautiful place to be. But if you're going to worship the Lord, there's going to be something that comes out of you. You eventually have to have a praise go forth. And so Psalm 63, 3 says, because of loving thy loving kindness, it is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. I shall make a praise unto the Lord. I shall lift my hands and make a voice, that, uh, make out uh, uh, some sort of language. I don't care if you use, God, you're awesome. I don't care if you use, God, you're the bomb. I don't know, something familiar. God, you're amazing, period. I, I don't know what, what, what you would say in your day, but use something. Whatever you use, make a joyful noise unto the Lord and use your voice to praise him. 
Are you building praise in your life? Are you building worship in your life? Are you building the ability for your kids to see that you're building walls of protection in prayer? Does your, does your children walk in on you and see you praying? Somewhere in your life, your kids should come upon you praying on your knees. If you're seeking God and going after the things of God, you need to let them walk in on you reading the word of God because this is your sword and this is how we fight. We fight with the word of God. There are two kinds of people in the world and in the church. There are workers and there are shirkers. <laughs> That's not really a word, I don't think. I just made it up, I think. There are people that will not work. I don't know if you've noticed, but in Nehemiah's day, there were people that wouldn't work. It was the nobles. They thought they were too good for the work. They stood back and watched. But while they were being attacked, half of them took spears and swords and shields and stood out while the other half worked. And while we're building something in our lives, we have to understand that we're going to need to have the sword available to our life. We have to work zealously. There was one gentleman mentioned in Nehemiah. The only thing that he's mentioned for is zealous work. He's throwing, he's throwing rock and mortar. I just imagine, Brother Tony, that he's just throwing all, he's just working so effectively and efficiently that the Bible says, I need to record that. He's a, a zealous worker. There's illustrations of working and fighting that we can pull from, but we have to understand that the greatest illustration is the fact that your sword always needs to be available to you. No matter whether you're working hard, whether you're going through life with difficult days or good days, you have to have your sword available to you at all times. You have to learn this word well enough that you can use it to divide the thoughts and intents of the heart, that you can go to a scripture and encourage yourself when you need to be encouraged. Amen? And you have to have time in the word to do so. This is the foundation we are built on. And if you get a word from any place else that doesn't line up with that word, that word that came to you is wrong because this word is always correct and always right. Amen, somebody. And so you can trust the foundation we're built upon. In our world today, everything that's going on, you can say, well, maybe it's just too far gone. It's not. You can trust the foundation that we're built upon. We're built upon the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Are you built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets? Is your life built upon Jesus Christ himself being the chief's cornerstone in whom all the building was fit together and framed together growing up unto a holy temple in the Lord? Is your life built built upon Jesus Christ, or is it built upon sandy ground? That when the storm comes and the rain blows, that the wind hits the house, it falls, and great is the ruin thereof. It's a little story in Luke and Matthew about two men who built a house. One built it on a rock, and the other built it on sand. I think it's more costly, obviously, to build on rock. You have to drill through it. You have to anchor into it. And I want you to know that obviously whenever you watch somebody build something, you can tell the, the height and the width and the, compli the, the complications of the structure going up by how deep they dig the foundation. So sometimes God is building us not because 
we feel like we're growing stronger and higher, but he's building us by taking us deeper so that he can build upon what he's planted in our life. And if we can plant this word of God as a strong foundation in our life, if you can learn this word, if you can read it from cover to cover one year, if you can understand how it all fits together linearly, and you can understand how God uses this word to strengthen his people, you can stand upon the foundation that you build from this word, and that foundation will hold a skyscraper, brothers and sisters. It will hold stuff that you never imagined you would be into. Someday God will use you in a way where you are in a dark place, in a basement, finding the word of God to help you through things, and God grows you in a way that makes you strong enough to handle what he wants to build in your life. Don't ever underestimate the power of moments where you're investing in your foundation because the need is great, amen? And so what they did was they built, they had their sword, and they had their pile of rubble, and every man spent their time. I did this to myself. I was actually thinking that as we're working for the kingdom, there are moments when we can get discouraged. There's moments when we're working to serve our family and we can get discouraged. But God asks us, and I'm coming to a close as fast as I can. God asks us to make our sword available to ourselves in such a way This is not flattering. Believe me, I know that. It's not my best look. But we're going to try this for a second. Got to get that wall built. Yes, sir. Would you put that in for me? <laughs> my illustration is dismantled, is falling apart one second after the other. Thank you. That hurts. What'd you cut? I'm bleeding? No. Am I bleeding? So what they did... The Bible said they had one hand in the work and they had one hand on their sword because they didn't know when they were going to be attacked. If you read through Nehemiah 4, it actually, the position that they're standing in is something that looks a little bit like this. They have their sword out because there's two problems. One is the walls have fallen down, and the other problem is the enemy's attacking. And I can tell you that this is not the most efficient way to build a wall, to have to fight while you're building. But some of us are in that position where we have gone through things in life where we literally feel like we have to rebuild some stuff, and we know that there's an attack on our life on top of it. And so we don't know how to just focus. We'd love to just focus on rebuilding. We'd love to just focus on putting the wall back up. 
But we don't have the privilege or the luxury to take the sword of the Spirit down. We don't have the luxury to stay out of the Word of God and not have it ready when we need it. The Word of God needs to be so familiar to you that it's like a sword on your side, that you can work, and when a threat comes up, you can take the Word of God out, and you can answer it. It is written. It is written. That is what this means. This is the sword of the Spirit, similar to your Bible. It is written, and while you build, it takes you longer to build and have to fight at the same time. But that is the position that they were in. They were willing to be inefficient as well as fight because it was worth the task. The task and the duty was worth it. It was worth it. So they fought and they built at the same time. And for some of us, we think that, well, when God calls us to do something, we'll only have to build things. But you're going to have to fight as well. And so I hope this will remind you, but as we stand together today, Sarah, would you help me with this before I accidentally hurt somebody? (laughs) What I want to do is if you are a family or friend or you have, I'm going to give this to you as well. Okay. Okay. Don't use sword illustrations anymore. Hold on. Hold on. That could have been tragic. What I want to do today is, if you're in a relationship or you're trying to build something in your life, I want you to come down here and I want you to put one of these bricks on this wall. Just as a testimony of, God, I'm not giving up. Some of you felt like you've done more fighting lately than you've done building. And I'm going to pray over you. A prayer that I felt like I should pray at the end here. And I would ask you just to be prayerful with me as I pray this prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? I take authority over Satan and all of his demons and those people who are influenced by them. And I declare Satan is under my feet. And we'll remain there. I will fight and I will build. I plead the blood of Jesus over every area of my life. I have the righteous. I'm praying for all of us here, even though I'm praying in first person. I am the righteousness of God, and I am saying so. I have the God of all glory living in my life. I have God kind of faith, ever increasing, and limitless faith. I am God's property, so Satan, get out of my life, my family, my mind, my job, my body, my home, my finances, and all other things that concern me. I pray for the ministry. I pray for the building of the walls in my life, the things that have been torn down. You are Lord and have called me to be a part of something great. I call in financial support so that We can do the work unhindered by lack in our lives and in our marriages and in our homes. I call in ministry of helps to assist in the work. I call forth intercessors and fasters to at all times hold up us in prayer 
and to hold up the church. I pray that all who are involved are perfectly united in our common understanding and, and the desires of the Word of God and the judgments of the Word of God, that we live by His statutes and His laws, that we stand firm in united spirit and purpose, working side by side to build the things that want to be torn down, centering on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We live in harmony and unity, we do nothing through strife or vainglory. We follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and long-suffering. We draw near to you, O oh God, with our hearts, our lips, our minds, our worship. And God, you draw us near to you in any way that you feel and see fit. I am calling on anointing and the equipping of the people that hear this prayer today to accomplish all that God has called them to do. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I dispatch ministering angels to protect and assist all those that are here this day. And I rebuke any negative expectations. I forgive all people and I receive from the Lord for he is my provider. I will call forth divine appointments, open doors of opportunity. God ordains supernatural encounters and ministry appointments and positions of blessing. I declare it is so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord perfect all that concerns everyone here in the name of Jesus as our author and the finisher of our faith. And someone said, amen. Would you pray with me, Jesus? We thank you for that prayer. We call on it over everybody here. And we believe that you have stopped some things. You have halted some plans of the enemy today. And in this prayer, we believe that you're going to take that prayer, God, and you're going to use it to help us build our callings and build our life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Would you come and would you lay a brick if there's enough? Do it as a family first. Do it as a person, an individual. I hope I have enough. If you do them as a family together, that would be great. But then would you go and pray? You are Jesus' name. We build again. If we run out, I apologize. But just do it in faith believing. Do it in faith believing. You're welcome to pray. Or you're welcome to go. If you need to go, blessings to you. But today, we want to build together. Jesus, thank you for helping us in this moment. Would you sing this song as we... You are my strength, we're out of bricks, but would you sing this song together? Come.